From reviews to rankings, the big picture is all things movies. From in-depth analysis of the latest flick to sit-down interviews with some of the biggest movie stars and filmmakers on the planet, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins have got you covered. Check out the big picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. What's up, everybody? Uh, I am Tyson Apostle, and you are listening to The Pod Has Spoken on The Ringer, and I'm here today with my trusty sidekick, Riley I asked him how he pronounced his last name before we started, and I already forgot it. Tell us your last name. It's Riley McAtee. I knew it. McAtee. Yeah, I was just seeing if you knew. Uh, Yeah, I I have not forgotten. So Riley's our fact checker on the show, so uh, that was his first test. Anytime that I do not uh, remember something from the episode of uh, Survivor, he'll be there with the hard facts, and if not, then uh, we'll just wing it. Well, I'm going to struggle a lot more with everybody's names from this episode because I'm always bad at that after the first one, but I'll do my best. It's the first episode. I have a sheet here all pulled up. We're all good. And uh, if we forget something, we just pretend like we know. And uh, you know what? That's just the way it is. That's what life is all about, Riley. You're probably too young to know that, but we're all just winging it. I have the Wikipedia page in front of me, so I'm set. Okay, perfect. Uh, We are here today with our esteemed guest. Uh, I will be reading from her profile on Twitter, as that is probably the most descriptive and accurate piece on her persona. She is a puzzle person, self-appointed Smithsonian Channel brand ambassador, and head of production at The Ringer, Juliet Littman. What's up, Juliet? Hello. Thank you for having me. I am... I feel like that's a great introduction here on this podcast. Puzzle person would have come in handy for certain tribes this week. Oh my gosh. So handy. You never want to put yourself out there for the puzzle on the first one. I, I don't know. think it's, it's crazy. I mean, a lot of, a lot to tear down this episode. And uh, what do you think, Juliet? Did you just as a whole, before we get into it? 
I loved it. I was like so happy to be back. I'm really excited to talk about some of these production changes and style changes they've enacted. Um, I think it's going to be a really wild season. I was really stressed out watching the second Tribal Council at the end. I know we'll get to it, but I, I come into this podcast with a lot of personal chaotic energy because I was very stressed watching that tribe negotiate at Tribal. And I, I'm like really excited to talk about that with you as well because I know that happened quite a bit at Winners at War. People like making decisions at tribal and that just seems really stressful. So I can't wait, but it was, it was great. I was back to be glad to be back in Fiji. what do you think? I loved it. All the hopes I had for it going in, because I know that, uh, uh, it's a shorter season, 26 days. And there's a lot of people that are a little critical of the fact because, Oh, it's not 39 days, which is harder. And my point of view is if you make it hard enough, then it's going to be okay. It really doesn't matter how many days it is, as long as at the end they're hurting as much as the 39 day players were back then. And I feel like they're on the right path. So it's yeah. incredible, an incredible episode. I loved it. It was two hours, which uh, still isn't enough time. I know and- it didn't feel long. I was like, Oh, this is zippy. I, I, I liked it. Also, you got to know people pretty well. I, I felt like I got a lot of like backstory and I, I love backstory. It's very important to me. Yeah. Backstory is good. I I mean, it's what connects you with the characters, right? Sure. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, Riley, any hot takes on the episode before we jump into it? I'm very curious how it's going to work out with all these advantages and twists once we're down to one hour episodes, because then I think it'll really start to feel zippy, like you're saying, Juliet, or maybe just kind of cramped. But yeah, I liked a lot of the cast. So that's a good sign so far. That's always the most important thing for me. Yeah. The cast is amazing. We'll, We'll start off real quick with the cast here. I did a little research. I don't know if anybody else like got on CBS and read the profiles and stuff. These people all know the game of Survivor. They've they all do. studied the game and 98% of them want to play like Todd Herzog. So if you can imagine an entire season with only Todd Herzog's on it, that's fingers crossed what we're getting. He <laughs> Todd was, Herzog. Haven't thought about him in a while. I liked him a lot though. Yeah, I liked him too. And he is uh, known for a very commanding win in China. And uh, a lot of Todd Herzog fans, little insider info, when I went through casting uh, for Survivor the first time, the first season they had me watch was China. So in my mind, I'm wondering, did casting just have all these people watch China as their first episode into casting? And then they all decided they just wanted to be the winner of that one because casting specifically selects seasons they think are good and they want to kind of, you know, have some repeat moments and they want a good winner to show off so that these people can see how to play the game. So, uh, interesting. yeah, that was my initial take when I read through everybody's uh, love for Todd Herzog. It was like they'd all watch China <laughs> at the same time in a hotel room at the Doubletree in Santa Monica while they were all there. Um, that's fascinating. Can I share two quick takes on that? Yes. One, I did not like China. I know that was where we got many uh, iconic players. However, I don't like when they have a season on a river. So I'm really glad they've moved to Fiji because the water like always looks gross to me. And I was like, I whereas like this week, I was like, oh, and they were sitting in the water like strategizing. Like, oh, that looks so nice. It must be so refreshing. So China as a river season was negative. Also, I believe China followed Cook Islands, right? Yes. And Cook Islands is elite it's my favorite season of the show no offense um no i mean i'm a little bit offended but i feel (laughs) confident about the seasons i was on they were great i mean you you two are iconic after all you're a podcaster now but um 
I finally uh, made it. Finally, finally here. Your time has come, Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I didn't. I didn't like China, and I forgot the other thing I was going to say on this topic. But that's it. That's all I wanted to say. If we want to get into the freshwater saltwater debate real quick here, I was also on a freshwater season. My first season. Token jeans. Yeah. And you disliked that as well. No, for I that liked. Reason. I liked it more. I, I liked token jeans a lot. Yeah. It was yeah. It was a great season, but I just felt like China just looked muddy all the time. It did, and it was always dreary and sad yeah. and yeah. looked hard and like yeah. Uh, but then you get then there was Amanda and James on that season, right? Yeah. So. And Courtney. Heavy hitters, right? Courtney and aforementioned Todd Herzog. Yes. It was it was a really good casted, well casted season. Yeah, it was, and uh, what you get with the freshwater is more health issues. Because salt water mm. generally does sterilize a lot of right. issues and infections. And if you get a cut, you can scrub it out in the salt. With freshwater, you don't get that. And uh, I know on token chains, the Joe did get evacuated for a staph infection on his knee. But a lot of people had staph infections when they got home. Me and my body, which is, I, as far as I know, a temple, was impervious <laughs> to all of the elements Brazil could throw at me. That's what you get for being uh, an athlete and for just being Tyson, you know, I, body, yes. body's temple. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think it's mind over matter and my confidence is just so high that my body will repel everything that so yeah. far it has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I peruse the bios as well. I, I, my, my entree was, I wanted to know about Danny McRae's NFL past. I love yes. when athletes are on um, reality shows. And so I thought his, his bio was really charming. And I'm just, do you, do they write those themselves? Uh, no, you write them and then they edit them. Got it. Is, okay. is, was my experience. And, uh, because I really, I mean, I put a lot of great stuff about me in there and they didn't include all of it, but they did include some of it. So yeah, they, they give you a stab at writing your own bio. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah. Uh, I actually, when I read through the bios, I was pleasantly surprised with all of them. I, there wasn't someone I disliked. I have to say there wasn't somebody where I was like, oh, this guy's the bad guy. This guy's the villain. This guy thinks he's going to be like the kingpin, whatever we done. So far, we don't have somebody that's like really stood out as like that guy. Yeah. Or girl. Uh, it could be a girl. I mean, yeah. and we'll get into that later, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, w I was worried that JD was going to be like this villain. And I am pleased with like, what seems how the power dynamics of that tribe have shaken out. Riley, yeah. do we know what tribe that is? The green tribe. Green U tribe. Ua. Ua. Yeah. Okay. Ua. Ua. Thank I, you. Right now, I just know them by colors and that's usually all I ever know them as. I tried so <laughs> hard to get them right, but I didn't. So Riley, you have to be on the ready as my trusted sidekick, which we have scoured the globe to find someone perfect for this job and came up with you. Don't let us down. Okay, I'll, I'll keep the list in front of me. That's the Ua tribe. Uh, it, it probably in two episodes, they'll all get switched around anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you start with 18, it's like, I mean, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be asking the questions, but like Tyson, yes. how soon will, will they go down to two with 18 people? Pretty now soon. They're down, now they're down Pretty to 16 soon. people. Yes. So. They might do it right now. If they're on pace to like, oh, mix things up and shake it up. I could see potentially them actually going to two tribes of eight, like right now, that would be a crazy right. shakeup. If not, then I guess they have to wait till 14 people, but I don't think it's going to be, it, it, sometimes it probably depends. Also, I don't know if they have like contingency plans in play. If one tribe just gets decimated, because I've also often right. wondered that like there's enough votes sometimes in a three tribe series for a tribe to be 
completely annihilated if it came to that. So, uh, yeah, I would say they're on pace to make fast moves and keep these people on their toes. So if we don't see it next episode, I would assume we're going to see it the following episode after that. Sure. 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 Those names are going to be brand new Riley. And I, my hope is in them mixing up, uh, the season is that every episode it's different trident names just to keep us on our toes as well. (laughs) Wow. I I hope not. That would make my job difficult. Hard to keep up with. Yeah. <laughs> it really would be. Uh, let's get into it now. This episode. Let's do it. It started with Jeff saying the thing he missed most was his love of the viewers. Us. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like he was talking to you? I did. I was definitely disarmed by Jeff Probe straight to camera. I, I wasn't expecting the like slow walk through yeah. the jungle. Um, and then, but I, I thought it set a great tone because it was a different type of episode. And I was like, okay, they're delivering on, on what they've claimed. And um, I I definitely really enjoyed that. I don't know. I, I, but I found it disarming. What do yeah, you think was, as someone who's been on four times? I was not expecting that. And it was like no music, nothing, just him trotting through the forest. I mean, casually strolling, talking to the camera. I liked it. And then they breached the fourth wall a little bit more in the intro, showing some behind the scenes camera guys and production getting ready for the season. I don't know if you noticed that I as well. That. Like you can see the boom oh, cameras yeah. on the, as they zoomed yeah. out from the boat and everything. So I did like that as well, because a lot of people ask all the time, like how many people are there standing? And there's literally four or 500 people on that crew out there. And you sometimes have a couple hundred person audience at a challenge. And, uh, wow. I don't think people realize that like you go in and there are bleachers for production to sit and watch like at the Coliseum of Survivor where they're just like, I've literally never thought about yeah. that. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So do you feel like you're performing when 100%. you are like- and you have people come in from production camp that aren't even involved with the challenge that it's their day off and they're like, I'm going to go see some blood today. And they go and cool. watch the challenge and that's like their <laughs> entertainment, you know, and they don't even have to pay for tickets. I mean, I guess technically they do because they work every day, but uh, yeah, it's a unique experience. I know sometimes they also take uh, make a wish foundation kids out to see mm-hmm. those challenges and uh, you never know who's going to show up. Mark Burnett's been there uh, a bunch of times to, you know, high five and stuff. So it's fun. It's uh, uh but I'm glad that the viewers got to see that. And I liked, it was I cool. liked the intro too. I know that uh, it's sad that they don't do the opening credits with each cast member and their name and some cool shot of them because, I mean, the coolest I've ever looked is in my intros in <laughs> Survivor seasons. So I feel sad that uh, some of these people aren't going to ever get that. But I understand there's a lot to uh, jam into that time frame and they might not have time to show that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was cool too. I love seeing that barge. I have to say... I'm a huge Lost fan. For some reason, this episode reminded me more of Lost than like any episode of Survivor before. I think maybe it was kind of because of the opening tone with like Jeff just talking to the camera and it felt like he was like emphasizing the jungle and I don't and then like kind of like having the curtain pulled back a little bit. It just reminded me then like I don't know if you watched Lost when they like revealed what else is happening on the island and stuff. I don't know. I just I thought it was really cool and like really in, I found like an invigorating way to start the episode. Yeah, I thought so too. And kind of like bring people a little bit more into the fold and into like the survivor world. I agree. I liked it. Uh, so we had that, the, the entry that was all awesome. The, uh, anything on those opening moments with any of those players, 
I mean, the most notable thing to me that stood out uh, was uh, Erica's Snow White princess gown that she <laughs> wore to play the game of Survivor in, which A, is amazing. And B, I, I mean, I think Riley's going to get into it later in his segment where we learn about fall fashion. But... <laughs> Uh, incredible. I was blown away by Xander's large white cardigan. I was just like, what is this? And I uh, was like, why did he choose to jump into the ocean wearing like a J crew fashion sweater? As, as, uh, miffed as you are by it. I, as a former player, am jealous that he got such a warm layer out there because Fiji was the coldest place I'd ever played. Mm. There was a moment where the air and water were too cold to even get in for, I would say, over a week where people were like, I'm not getting in the ocean. It's too cold because the wind was blowing. You have those uh, ocean breezes coming in. You had to keep a fire going the entire time, even with long sleeves on. And it is the only season I've been a part of where every single person got long sleeve tops and long sleeve bottoms. Usually you get one or the other, but not both. So I saw that and I was jealous. Uh, I was more puzzled by the fact that he did not take it off as he jumped into the water. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to carry this 700 pound wool sweater, but wool famously insulates wet or or dry. So maybe that was his uh, presumption. Xander definitely, um, I was ready to write him off as like, he could be on Outer Banks, the television show, but as you said, everyone is a student of the game on this yeah. on this season, and like he was a gamer. Everyone was just ready to go and play. I liked I it. Was, I did too. Yeah. I really did too. I was, I was surprised. First challenge. You, uh, what would you have done? Did you think everybody was doing their part with Were, the oars? Yeah, with the oars. What would you have? Because uh, we had a similar would- challenge on token chains. Honestly, but, I was I was confused. I was sort of like, how did they lose an oar when they were like all together? And that, like the logistics of it didn't really make sense to me. I was very confused, but I I thought they did a good job. I think I would have like jumped in the water really quickly. I would have wanted to be like a boat person, yeah. and I wouldn't have wanted to be a searcher or yeah. whatever. But then you would have been standing on the boat looking up while everybody else is doing the work while they're looking down and being like, oh look at her just sunning herself in the ocean but, breeze. Don't, you can tell me, but like, isn't it so frantic in the beginning? You don't really know what's going on. Like, would people really notice that? Yeah, people would notice it. Somebody would notice it and catalog it in their brain because I, it comes up later in the episode, actually, yeah. that somebody yeah. did do something similar to that and it did put them in the crossfires. So I think you at least have to. And this is something that uh, I grew up in construction and I was told that at the very least, you have to look busy. And mm. I think that that's also in Survivor. You in those moments, you need to look like you're at least attempting to help. It's so like moving stuff around on your plate. Kind sure. Of thing. Yeah. Moving stuff around on your plate, like picking up a two by four at the work site and moving it to the other side of the room. And then 10 minutes later, picking that same piece of wood up and moving it back to where it was. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but you got to look like you're trying. And uh, and so uh, what I think happened with the ore was that there was one color of each or hidden in like six different spots on the boat and the yellow, I think it was the yellow tribe that missed their war. They mm. weren't in the group that was up on that spot where that missing war was. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense it's- that it would have gotten overlooked, especially with so many people going berserko. Right. Uh, and then not uh, uncommon, the blue tribe 
did not unclip their anchor from the bottom of their boat as they paddled away. Right. Is that is that a common mistake people oh, make? Yeah, always. Somebody forgets to unclip something. Somebody comes back without the bag. Somebody like all the time. And it is. I mean, you're amped. The adrenaline's going and you hear some stuff, but not all of it. Like Jeff said, undo the clips. There's a clip on the front and the back. They undid the front thinking they were good. They didn't hear about the back one. And uh, it happens all the time. I've seen it happen so many times where, or even somebody like trying to pick a bag up that's like bolted to the ground and they have to unclip it from the ground and they yeah, just yeah. Like, cannot figure it out. And right. So I think in those moments, there's, you know, it's, it's not just adrenaline, it's panic. Right. You just want to like keep going. Also, you, just, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're new. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good like opener. I, I I remember some seasons they have like the chickens on the boat and you'd like grab them and then and then get to your camp. I never liked that. See, that this seems is a new like, era. Too chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. No this food is a for new you. Era. Yeah. Exactly. No food. Uh, and chickens must live. So uh, all in all, I think it was the right decision to not include chickens on the boat. Yeah. Seriously. But, um, speaking of new era, we got to back up right even before yes. the, before they did the initial challenge. Jeff Probst, I mean, this new level of sort of like self-awareness, awareness was really, yes. so, really something um, to behold. I, I was fascinated and surprised, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they showed us where the idol was going to be hit or the advantage yeah. was going to be hidden. He showed us that right from the get go. And then he also, uh, you know, said that the uh, viewers are going to be in on a little bit more this season, which is exciting. And then on top of that, uh, I think also he told us how much harder this season is going to be because it shortened. Here's the things that are going to make it hard. Right. And uh, no food off the get go, no food for anybody, which I had expressed earlier. Like this is how they have to do it. No food, no Flint, only Flint goes to the winning tribe. So the winning tribe of the three, and that's something that's different too, is generally the two winning tribes of the three get yeah. stuff. So this time it's only the winning tribe and uh, Flint, they got Flint, they got a pot and they got a machete. Yes. That's it. And then everyone else had to do the the tribes or do the challenge on the beach. Um, But can we talk about the guys conversation? I think that's like the, one of the biggest changes. We we didn't even hit that. No. Uh, And this is something I also have questioned before. Uh, so, Juliet, put yourself in that position. Okay. You're standing there in front of Jeff Probst on what tribe do you want to be on? You can be on any of the three. I want to be on. I want to be on the blue tribe. I think that was Luvu because they won the immunity challenge, and I've been rooting for them from the beginning. And Smart. I, I like Danny McRae. I'm, I'm in, on, in on Danny. The power of hindsight. Also, I, I feel like after sure. watching the episode, <laughs> why not choose the winning team? Yeah. Okay, so you're on the blue team there, and uh, Jeff says. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about that. Come on in guys phrase I've used forever. It's a signature phrase. Uh, how does everybody feel about it? It is a gendered phrase. So I just want to get people's thoughts. Do we need to retire that phrase and come up with something else? And he's looking around. Nobody's saying anything. This is just hypothetical for your, mm-hmm. uh, for you. And everybody just looks at you. Okay. What do you say? I think I would say, and I'm, I'm going to try to answer if I was like unprepared for the question, because I've had time, I've had time to let us marinate and on national TV. Yes. On national TV with 17 people. I'm trying to win over Mm -hmm. and Jeff Probst and a crew of three to 400 people. I think I would say I am comfortable with it personally, but I can't speak for everyone. 
So I, I think we need more people to weigh in. Like that's, I think that's genuinely how I would respond. In fact, it's kind of, I was texting with my brother and that's sort of what I said too. like one person shouldn't be the decider of this. And so when Evie sort of chimed in saying she was fine with it as a queer woman, I was like, well, that's good. But like, why are we making one queer woman decide this for everyone? Or why are they, it's not like making them, but I feel like I was kind of uncomfortable with how she became like a stand in for like people who could be alienated by that phrase. And just because she's not, which is great. Doesn't mean other people aren't. So I thought that was really weird. And I found the whole thing like, I, at first, I found it kind of cheap, but then it obviously came up more in the episode. So my opinion evolved over the course of the two hours. Oh, Survivor got you again. It sure did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I and I also thought that in that moment, I was like, for me, I'd like if that question were directed at me in the same situation, I'm a guy, so I can't really answer how that makes me feel because that's how I will have. I will always respond to that. And so I would have just said, like, you know what? It's not my place. If other people feel uncomfortable with that, then I'm willing to, you know, make them feel comfortable by changing. It doesn't matter to me what you guys want to do. And I think that's kind of the situation with probably 17 of the 18 contestants. As Evie said, I'm okay with it. It personally doesn't bother me. And everybody else was like, I don't want to stand out at all. I'll just say nothing. And more than likely in that situation is what I would have done. So I do give her props for actually saying something and telling us her opinion she's a fun player yeah Yeah. she's a a fun player to start out like she she obviously has strong opinions i love that so many of these people are lying about their professions because they think it's like makes them too like too big of a target i love that that's my favorite thing is that pompous to assume accomplished that like (laughs) yes i'm a lawyer everybody's threatened by me it's like no nobody that was like 90 years ago when people (laughs) respected lawyers. Are you kidding me now? Uh, So who's all hiding their, uh, their profession? Well, she said that she's the research assistant in the lab, which is technically correct, but she's like getting her PhD at Harvard in evolutionary biology. And she studies natural selection, which does make her like perfect for survivor. Right. It really does. (laughs) And then there's also the, uh, the Ivy league stigma where people assume because you go to Ivy league, people also dislike you. Yeah. People don't dislike you for going to Ivy League. People dislike the fact that you assume that you'll be disliked because yes. you go to an Ivy League school. That's yeah. <laughs> so 100%. Um and then Danny McRae, my dude, uh-huh. was uh denying that he played in the NFL even though they said to him point blank, "We think you're a football player." Yes. It's hard to hide. I mean, when you are a professional football player, it is very hard to hide. It is true. I was on a flight the other day and um, I saw an athlete come onto the, the flight late. And I was like, oh, that's an NBA player. I was like, I, yeah. I, you can just tell. He's tall. Yes. He's like clad in gray sweats and like cool sneakers. Yeah. Very casually, just sort of like has no bags. So I was just like, oh, that's an NBA player. And I was flying yeah. to LA. So I was like, yeah, you can, you can tell. There's just you can totally there's a swagger tell. that is like also very appealing. I do think I, I too... And so we looked it up. Thanks to Riley for helping us fact check this. But Danny McRae played for, he started 10 games for the Cowboys in 2012. So like, that's like, that is a threat, right? Like you don't want a professional football player on your team on Survivor. Well, if we're being real, Juliet, which we are, yeah, that stuff doesn't matter. Hmm. It's more the social and political dynamic of the game. If you can trust that guy and he can trust you, then it doesn't matter. Like, honestly, like so many people put so much stock in these physical powers. When you get to the end, 
And it's like a balance beam competition. And when you're a 250-pound dude filled with muscle, it's not that easy to always stand on a balance beam. So I think that there is this stigma that is attached to these big, strong guys. And personally, I'm a wiry, thin dude who's like pretty good at balance and pretty good at endurance. I feel like most of the time I have a leg up advantage on them and people in the game don't even realize it. So I would say that more of those balance style, uh, it's, it's about uh, if you're really looking for people who are physical on Survivor, who are going to be physically dominant, it's strength to weight ratio. Mm. So someone like Monica Culpepper, who's 120 pounds, but 110 of it is muscle. That's a way bigger advantage than somebody who's 280 pounds, but, you know, only 70% muscle. Right, right, right. Yeah. Endurance always seemed like the most important thing. I always thought the challenges where you have to hold your arm up for a really long time. That seems like really hard. Yeah. Imagine if you had an 80 pound arm too, yeah. instead of like a 15 pound arm like me. Right. Yeah. And you have to like, yeah, to hold your own weight plus the barrel of water over you. Seems hard. Correct. And the barrel <laughs> of water is a lot of times adjusted based on the percentage of your weight. Right. Which I think if they didn't do that, it would be unfair. So that's great. Yeah. But if you did, when you do do it, it takes a harder toll on the skin of your hands. Mm. So the guys with more weight that are holding this barrel, like the one where they twisting, they're twisting the rope around, it takes the skin off their hands where oh a lighter God. barrel will not. So it's hard. It's, I mean, it reflects life to a certain degree because even no matter how hard they try to make it fair, there's advantages and disadvantages sure. to both sides. Ah, Survivor. Anyway. Classic. Classic. Okay. Anyway, can, can we... I, but I know we're going to get into like more of the gameplay and stuff, but just on this guy's situation, what did you yes. think about Ricard later chiming in saying he was uncomfortable with it? And, and I think it was important that we got the backstory that Ricard's partner is a trans man who's currently pregnant. Yes. So he obviously, I think, you know, has probably and they have a daughter and right they have a daughter as well. Correct. And they, so they've contemplated, I assume he's contemplated gender quite a bit. Yes. I would assume so too. And I think, uh, it would be so easy for Ricard in that moment to be complacent and hide and not say anything. So the fact that he did bring it up and be like, Hey Jeff, you know what that actually does bother me. I think we should retire it. And I think in that moment he felt that way as well, but I think he was thinking about the wording and the approach and, uh, and wanted to, you know, let it marinate, which is honestly uh, classic survivor strategy. You know, you don't want to jump too quickly and so, yeah, I think uh, he took a risk because you, you never want to, you know, have the limelight on you as much as possible. And he, I'm sure, knew that and understood that. But to him, this was more important. Yeah. So, yeah. Props. It felt like a moment where it was like his personal reasons for being on the show and like for pers for pursuing this were more important than like his long-term strategy which i thought was was cool to see and just like frankly as like a you know i watched a ton of reality tv and 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 because i watched so much of it and i've been talking about it for so many years on podcasts i think i tend to like get a little bit too meta with it but i this episode really invites that kind of like meta conversation about like where does survivor fall in the canon like how do we all evolve and it was cool that they were using like even the language of the show to, to like show how it's evolving for like, you know, on the heels of CBS and probes being like, it's a whole new era. And it, it, it really is. So come on in. Yeah. Exclamation point. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And, 
I like it. Me too. I think, uh, uh, I mean, and I've questioned that before as uh, it has been a gendered statement. So, you know, if you're going to advertise that it's a whole new era and everything has changed, you better change everything. Seriously. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't leave us disappointed. So, and I think all the changes so far have been positive. I've liked the diversity of the cast. Yes. Everybody came to play. It shows the demographics of Survivor are much wider and further spread than anybody could have thought. I mean, when I was on Survivor the first time, like even through casting and everything, they were like, okay, so our demographic is like 50 to 70 year old cat ladies. And then they make their husbands watch it, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, and so we're just like, okay, shoot for the cat ladies. And so the fact that it's like evolved to this and they've really strived to go after a younger audience and a more diverse audience is uh, big and is for me like so positive. I think that uh, like even like JD's story of like being born right after the show and always watching the show and the show has become so big in his life and has kind of, you know, helped mold him into the person he is now because he saw authenticity and authentic character characters on the show was uh, to me inspiring because for me, I went on the show because I had a chance at a million dollars. So for me, it was just like money, money, money. And then these guys are like, this is such a big part of my life. And a lot of those people echoed those same sentiments. And uh, I liked it. In which state were you paying taxes when you won? Uh, Utah. Nice. Cool. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. Better it than like a, California. Yeah, it was 5%. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. I Happy mean, for you. could have bought a ranch for that amount of money I spent on taxes in the middle of Nevada nowhere and spent nothing, but <laughs> yeah, I could have been a lot worse off. So yeah. Uh, let's see. So we, uh, so then so we, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, that that's it. I think, uh, we got through that, uh, Nasir's enthusiasm, his opening statements. Incredible. Immediately Beautiful. love that guy. Beautiful. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, same thing. Survivor, a huge part of his life. And I think they really went out of their way to find these people who it would mean so much for them to be on the show that they are going to fight and scramble and do whatever they can to stay there. I was pretty touched by Tiffany's story. Yes. Tiffany had a double mastectomy. And um, I think I forget the name for when you have your ovaries removed as well. I tried to get it to, because I was like, I don't know how to spell that. So I tried to say it in my (laughs) thing and I was saying it wrong. But we understand. Uh, yeah. I, I, and she does seem to be like a real ball of energy. Like they called her on the show. I, I really liked her. And I also thought, I think her name is Jenny. Her story about um, coming out to her mom and like expecting Jeannie, to, Jeannie expecting yeah. to go really poorly. And, but her mom, uh, she tells her she's getting married to a woman and her mom gives her like, a diamond to use for the ring. Like I thought that was like a really beautiful story too. Yeah. I don't know. I, just, I have to say there's a lot of like great, gals on this season liana's like emerged as like this the sort of holder of power on her tribe and then i really like shan saying that whenever she's like playing hard she uh is singing a song in her head i really enjoyed that it was very funny yeah i did i did like that song and then the fact that they composed the song behind (laughs) her actually singing the song of the song that's happening in her head it was just like so many layers and uh, i used to sing a song too when we get uh uh tree mail and it would just be like as the tree mail would show up i'd always say dun 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 <laughs> and after a couple times production was like stop saying that after every single tribe mail. we can't use that footage 
it's repetitive. And I was like, I'll try. But like, that's the only thing I can think about when I see treadmill is like something mysterious. Uh, back to Tiffany real quick yeah. and her uh, decisions because of her mom to have the do- double mastectomy and her ovaries removed. That is a ridiculously difficult decision to make at that age. And for me, when I heard that backstory, I was like, this girl is willing to make hard decisions yeah. when she has to. Yeah. It was, it was really moving. Yeah. yeah. Also, I was like, the way that your relationship to your body changes after that kind of thing, I think also is kind of an interesting factor in Survivor and like what you're willing to sacrifice and like what your body can endure and stuff. So I thought right. it was, that was pretty cool. I don't know. I think also like, um, it's just, yeah, that, that was, re- that was really touching to me. I was so glad she survived first tribal. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and I, I was too. I, uh, I didn't know which way it was going to go in. Honestly. I mean, classic misdirect thought it was going to be her. Uh, we're not even past the first challenge yet. I know. Yet. I know. Uh, <laughs> Riley, who won the first challenge? Okay. I've got it here in front of me. That is Ua, which is the green tribe. Okay. So the green tribe wins. All the tribes go back to camp. The other tribes lose. They don't get anything. They have to go back to camp. And when they get back to camp, they see a little board uh, with two options on it. You have to complete one of these two options in order to get flint, a pot, and a machete. I love this. I love that they're making people make decisions. Juliet, you get to your camp. You see this sign that says, Count how many triangles are in this giant triangle with little triangles all over it. Or walk a bunch in the sand carrying heavy pails of water and you have four hours. Which one are you doing? I personally would have been like, oh, let's count triangles. Like, duh, that seems so much easier. But I, I then having watched the episode, I was like, they're right. Like, there's you have like a kind of more control over the physical aspect of carrying the water. Like, I think they, the two tribes made the right call in doing that, but I would have, like Voce, been advocating for the puzzle. As a puzzle person, I would have advocated for that. Uh, I also thought that David was correct. His reasoning behind it was correct as well to keep the tribe all together, especially yeah. since he, he was the one that they were wanting to do the walking. And so I felt like I also would have chosen the triangle because... The rules for the triangle were that you count how many triangles are in this giant triangle made up of smaller triangles, but the entire tribe can look at it. So what I was thinking was you give everybody a moment to look at it individually, you count as many as you can, then whoever gets the most triangles counted, the top two go back and count together to come up with the Mm. number. Mm. And I think that would take a lot less time than four hours, less strain. And you're not alienating. Well, it's not that you're alienating. You're putting two people together that could become a strong alliance. But right. those two people are also away from camp. So it's I have always been of the strong opinion that you stick with the majority of the group everywhere they go on the island. Mm. As much as you can, you never part from the majority. Of the right. Group. I mean, that makes sense. Numbers game. Also, if you do the collaborative challenge, you can see who's like not a fit and like who mm. and you can like get a sort of you know some natural selection going on like oh that's like true. this i thought that would have been helpful yeah this Whereas, person counted only two triangles and i can <laughs> clearly tell there are at least 30 and right? yeah or like this person's bad at teamwork like they don't know how to collaborate they can't communicate in the group like this kind of that kind of thing how many triangles do you think brad would have counted <laughs> i don't know it's a good question i mean <laughs> what do you think <laughs> either he would have gotten it completely right 
or the most wrong. Yeah. Oh my God. Brad was so weird. I I also I couldn't <laughs> tell if Probst was trolling him when he dove off the boat at the beginning and he was like, good entrance. I was like, is he, I was like, I yes. don't think that was very good form, but maybe I was kind wrong. of, yeah. I think, I think there was a smirk on Jeff's face after it. Uh, <laughs> but it was, I mean, I would dive in that moment too. Diving is faster than jumping in feet first. So yeah, anywhere you can dive, even places where survivor has been like, do not dive. It's too shallow. And like, I'm diving. Right. You're like, and I know how to do a surface dive. I'm good. Exactly. Yes. And that's exactly it. And so if you can do a surface dive, you always take the surface dive. Sure. Also, you Although, look, if you can do it well, you look really cool. You do look cool. And uh, I want to also absolve us of any liability of future Survivor contestants thinking they can do a surface dive <laughs> only to clunk their head on the bottom of the ocean. Or belly flop and yes. have a lot of pain. <laughs> yes. Although belly flop, you're probably relatively okay. Sure. Carry uh, on. Yeah. So you get back. They both opt to do the barrel walk in the sand, which is brutal. Uh, and they only have these two little uh, Dutch ovens. <laughs> Those they're sure. Dutch ovens, right? They were. I thought they were like metal pots. They reminded me of like an army yes. situation. Yes. And that's what a Dutch oven is. You yeah, cook you can, it on over the fire and you make pineapple upside down cake. Yeah. You can put it into then, the oven too. It's yes. All heat yeah. resistant. Yeah. Seemed yeah. hard. I I liked that um that one team that uh let me just check their names. I like that Danny and Deshaun were like working together. They used the the tree to help carry. It was it seemed, yeah. great, seemed great. I I'm just getting good vibes from that that squad. Yeah, I liked it too. And I, I, I mean I still was just like, Oh, that's brutal. Because stuff like that does take its toll on you. And those big muscly guys, they're gonna be put out to do that stuff. And then like those big guys need more nourishment. They need more hydration because they have more body mass to feed. And so when they are dehydrated, they get dehydrated quicker and they get malnourished quicker, I believe in most instances. So I think that those big strong guys that are volunteering to do all this physical stuff are going to end up regretting some mm. of those decisions mm. in a handful of days, especially because they're given no rations this season. Way to go probes. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I love it. A human body can last 26 days with no nourishment. So let's do this. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. What do you eat? Like, what are they, what is available for you in Fiji to forage? A uh, little behind the scenes, probably nothing. They probably scatter coconuts around for gotcha. them to, you know, get a little bit of nourishment, but coconuts are famously diuretics. So unless you built up a little bit of a tolerance, which you can do, you can really only, you know, consume one or two of those a day before uh, you start having tummy problems. Oh, I've built up a tolerance to pretty much be immune to whatever diuretic properties they have in them. So, uh, but yeah, so, and coconuts, I mean, 
anything, when it's just the only thing you eat, you get sick of it so of fast and it's no longer eating for pleasure. It's right. jamming it down your gullet stay alive. solely, solely to stay alive. Yes. You're just like choking it down and it's brutal. It really is. At the end of it all, you're going to hate the taste of water more than anything. And you're going to dislike coconuts and you won't even be able to look at rice. I don't, I don't love rice to begin with. Is there anything you can fish? Yes, you can. But again, if you're fishing, you're away from the tribe. Right. So I would never suggest going out on a spearfish by yourself uh, unless pressured into it. And you can set up nets. And uh, sometimes you do catch things from nets. So I think the way to go here, if you're really thinking strategically, is to set up some nets uh, somewhere where the water kind of gets pushed through. Hopefully there's like a, a rock that you can like put. Uh, net between the shoreline and that rock that stuff comes through we caught a lot of stuff on winners of war that way and so you can fish but fishing is a lot of energy and unless you have someone who knows what they're doing or is so hard to sacrifice it's so hard yeah um so that's why that's you need ozzy lust yeah i mean any ozzy <laughs> lust how do you say that? his last that's how, that's how i say his last name because i used to lust after him <laughs> yeah i used to luth luth my bad yeah he, uh, he's, I mean, any of those people work Rupert, any of those guys who like, don't understand that you shouldn't be away from the tribe. Those guys are perfect where you're like, Oh, I'm so hungry. I need fish. And they're like, I'll do it. And you're like, I bet you can't catch 20 of them. And they're like, I'm not coming back till I get 20. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that would never famously, work with this cast. No, never. Famously on blood versus water, uh, Rupert was known for like giving it his all in shelter building and really prided himself on that. So Aris and myself's plan was to let him build the shelter and then vote him out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And I mean, we were like, ch- checks out to me. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> they don't have somebody like that. Uh, Brad, I feel is like the closest to maybe like trying to be a provider there, but honestly being a provider gets you nowhere. All it does is make you resent ever providing for anybody in your life as you get voted out on day seven. <laughs> You're just like, why am I so good at providing? I wish that I wasn't born with this curse. So yeah, so that's, uh, I think it's gonna be tough. I think it's gonna be a rough road for them. Uh, fingers crossed the rain hits pretty soon yeah. because that just would add to all of it. Uh, also, another uh, insider note there, don't waste your time weaving palm fronds. That does not make them waterproof. <laughs> They're the same as if you didn't weave them. Just throw them on there just in a big old pile. Steal Xander's uh, wool sweater. Yes, just do the exactly. best you can. Like we said before, wool famously is known for its insulating properties, whether wet or dry. I mean, I did not know that. So now I know. Yeah. Should I ever go on Survivor, which will never happen? Wool, I'll bring wool, wool. wool underwear, wool, socks. wool shirt, wool socks. Yes, correct. Whole, the it. whole shebang. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, what, so, you know, I never really thought about the importance of like never leaving the group, though I should have since I've been watching Survivor for basically 20 years. Um, would you have considered going on that like summit trip that happened after the barrel challenge? Only because it's so early and Usually early on in those moments, it's definitely a positive at the end of the road, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think now looking back for sure with the power of hindsight, seeing the episode, no, absolutely not. Do not go on that thing. You don't want to alienate. But for example, there was one moment on token chains where 
we had to go on like this 13 mile trek to get to our tribes. And we voted some people out and the people we voted out, I already knew they weren't going home. That was like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes into the thing. They got helicopter rides to camp to look for idols. And so uh, for me, that was kind of my feeling was like, oh, they're going to get something really cool. It ended up not being that cool. And it did put a target on pretty much all of them to a certain degree, because at the very least, even if you believe their story, they got to bond with someone from each tribe. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and also now when there is an inevitable merge, they have an ally from the other side. Like even yes. if it's only That's one of them or something. Yeah. That's what so. I'm saying. And uh, they came back. So it was, uh, it was JD. Mm-hmm. It was Xander. And it was Danny. Daniel. Dan- Danny. Is that what we call Danny. him? Danny. Yeah. Okay. Danny. Uh, yeah, that's and, what he's calling himself. I, yes. Okay. I, I, I never jump to a nickname quickly. I always know I have a I have a name that very easily lends itself to nicknames. My yeah. name is Juliet, and so I always notice when people call me Jules for the first time. Like I always notice, and as a result, I never go there quickly. So I would never assume a Daniel is a Danny without them telling me. Oh my gosh, this podcast could have been off to a rocky start had well, I made the mistake of calling you Jules. Juliet. Juliet is my name, but I know that's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just always notice it. Although I do hate being called Julie or Julia. Those are other names, not mine. Well, I think that we're, since we're getting to know each other on this first episode, uh, don't call me Ty. You can call me Tice or Tyson. Okay. okay. Noted. Riley, you jot that down. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll remember it. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, it's probably better if you just call me Tyson, Riley, actually. Okay. Sounds good. Noted. Okay. Well, I'll just be calling you Tyson. It never occurred to me to shorten your name because no one's ever done it. And you've been on my television quite a few times. Right. It's such a strong and powerful name. I mean, why like, how, Why would you sure. make it worse? Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, those three go to that island. They, I, I liked how they all, all three tribes took a different approach to selecting, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they did the rock draw, which was purely by chance. And mm-hmm. JD ended up getting that right. Uh, then one tribe uh, had a volunteer, which was Danny, our Danny. boy Danny. And uh, he, uh, uh, I mean, sure. I don't know that you want to volunteer in that moment for that. But if nobody's volunteering, and I think that was kind of the case, then he was kind of like, oh, I'll do it. Like, it's not a big deal. But I think that's like the approach you have to take if you even want to go on it is like, I'd rather somebody else does. But if nobody else wants to, I'll take one for the team, everybody. And I thought then, that was like a classic pro athlete move. I'm like, oh, you've got a lot of confidence. So you're like, yeah, cool. I, I don't mind. And also yeah. a lot of confidence in your own ability to like make connections that he didn't think it'd be a problem. And and then we saw he's very truthful. Like he didn't, he's like, he's, we now know he's like a risk averse, truthful yeah, player. I want to get to that. Makes I me get worried to about here. him. <laughs> I want to get to that here. So uh, then we have Xander. Yes. And he, how do they select him? I don't remember. Rock, paper, scissors. Or any mini money mo? I think they just kind of all were like, you go, Sander. And he's like, okay, I guess I will. I think that's and kind of what happened. Riley, are we correct? Is that what happened? I actually can't remember with him either. So I feel like it was sort of like not really shown, but I thought it was notable that because Danny did the water challenge and Sander did it too. So both of those guys left Already. their tribe like very, like within the first two days of the game, they're like yeah. not spending that much time with their tribe. Yeah. That really stood out. That is true. I think Xander, my impression was that 
people kind of nominated him to go because they trusted that he would come back with truthful information when he came back. So they both go up that hike or all three of them, they all jump on a boat. They go out there, they high five on the beach. It's just like a bro party, you know, and they're just like, uh, that's where, uh, Juliet, you said that, uh, Danny is taking a very honest and truthful approach, but this is where he lies about his profession. That's true. That's true. And I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot like that, but <laughs> I mean, the well, listeners were going to do it anyway. So you're I, right. I kind of forgot about that for a second. Well, I guess that he's like trying to, I guess I would square that up by saying he's trying to play like a straightforward game, but he's trying to like shield his, his, who he is in the wider world, I suppose. Right. And I, don't, then G- I don't know. It was it was kind of confusing. His decisions kind of confused me, which is maybe why I like him because I it's not like such clear gameplay. I'm like, okay, you're just you're here for a good time. I can get down with that. I'm here for a good time as well. So yeah. I don't know. I found it appealing. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. And uh, and then JD takes the exact opposite approach and does the Uncle Rico, where he's just bragging about his, all of his high school a- athletic <laughs> accolades. Would you have Dude. taken that approach? JD is so a college student. It's hilarious to me. He's great. Oh my God. Um, I don't think I would have taken that approach. No, but also JD clearly lives his life in a very like um, enthusiastic way. And you got, you got to be yourself, right? I just feel like you got to be you. And JD is fully leaning in. I am glad that he seems to be like in the mix and not an outcast in any way, because I feel like you can kind of really go one or the other. Yeah. He's really fun, honestly. <laughs> but the fact that he goes on and on about his high school accolades and yeah, track, track and yeah. then Daniel goes, you're the one we got to be watching out for. <laughs> it's just like a perfect little sequence for me that I'm just like, that's so fun. Great TV. Uh, great TV. They get to the top. They have to make a decision individually. They have, they get time to speculate what the decision will be and they get time to know each other. So they kind of get to figure out. And it's the, they call this the prisoner's dilemma because I mean, like 19 people said that throughout the episode after they were described to this situation. Which I might just be dumb, but I like had a really hard time grasping what they were talking about. Like I, I was just like, wait, what? What are they saying? I I had to like pause it to like read the parchment to understand the directions. And even then I didn't fully get it. I was just like, wait, what? But I, I guess I get it now. I Riley, you can back me up here. If I get it wrong, let me know. Uh, so you go individually to this wheel that you have to turn one of two directions. It's either protect your vote or risk your vote. If all three of those guys choose risk your vote. They don't know what each other's doing. If all three of them choose risk your vote, they all lose their vote at the next tribal council. If, Got it. If they all choose protect, if you choose protect your vote, no matter what your vote is protected. And if some people choose protect your vote and some people choose risk your vote, the people who risk the vote get an extra vote that they can use anytime up until there's only six people left in the game. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So the trick is there, you want the advantage, but you have to be certain that somebody is going to be risk adverse. And Daniel, Danny, was the one who chose not to risk his vote. Uh, In that moment, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, you have to really know those people. What what would you have done there, Juliet? I would have been so confused that I would have... 
And let's put you with your favorites. Let's put you with Danny. It's you and Danny. And do you want to be with Xander or Jay or JD? Um, I'd like to be with JD. Okay, so it's you, Daniel, and JD, Danny. I keep it's, saying Daniel because that's what I think is on the profile. It's not. Uh, <laughs> come on, dude. For real, is you going to do that to me? Call me out on this thing I got going on. Uh, they hike up this hill. Yes. And uh, was that, can I ask you a question? Was that the same hill as Edge of Extinction? Like, did this? Did you recognize this hill? Did it look familiar to you? I did not particularly recognize the hill, but I think it was from my my first tribe on when I, I don't think it was Edge of Extinction. Gotcha. And then the there's one one of the beaches was the Merge Beach too. I mm, noticed. Okay. So that's uh, so funny. But like to be able to identify yeah. a beach like that, that's cool. Like I'm I'm I've yeah. been there. Yeah. And so, uh, so you're hiking up, you're getting to know these guys. Then you're faced with this decision. What decision are you making? Tyson, I would just never go on Survivor. I'd be so bad at it. So it's very <laughs> hard for me to say, but I think I would do what Danny did. I think I, I think in the first week or whatever, first, like before the first tribal, I'm playing it safe. I think that like, I would still be getting a feel for the game. So I'd want to be able to make it through the first tribal and like save some of my bigger moves. And so I think I would do what he did. And I think that the youth and the gumption of both Xander and JD really came out in how they decide and what, and what they chose to do. I would choose the opposite of your decision. And here's why. <laughs> well, that's why you've won. Here's why. <laughs> because you're going to go back to your tribe and they are going to assume you got something out of it anyways. So why not actually get something out of it? They're already going to assume that there's nothing you can do to hide that distrust that even if it's a sliver of distrust from people. So you may as well, because honestly, nobody knows as long as you don't tell them what you chose. So you can lie about right. what decision you made there. And I think you keep the story all the way true, except for that you say you chose to keep your vote because you didn't want to risk it because you're here for the tribe. And then have that extra vote in your pocket. Whether or not they believe you, it doesn't matter. Some are not going to believe you anyway. So you may as well take it. And uh, right. I think that's what conclusion I would come to up there. As long as I was fairly sure that one of the guys I was with was going to choose to keep his vote. Interesting. So it's really a combination of your own strategy plus maximizing the time to read the other players to understand what they're into. Yes. I think, I think Danny very clearly seemed like someone who would keep his vote. So I think Correct. that they probably understood those two dudes understood that. Yes. So just take it. And then yeah. you can, then as long as you keep that secret for only yourself, uh, although Xander already came back and told the truth, <laughs> Xander, you're too sweet. Uh, and uh, they, so they do their thing. So Xander and JD both get an advantage, which is an extra vote. Danny foregoes the extra uh, vote just to keep his vote certain so they all go back uh to their respective camps and they all proceed to tell the exact truth i believe is that right yeah yeah jd lied jd lied in that he didn't select which right. is the storyline i would have taken except for i would have articulated it in a way that seemed real because even though jd was telling almost the whole truth nobody believed him right he seemed no. like he changed up some of the like exact particulars of how the the wheel worked or whatever, which yeah. just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, the things he lied about were confusing. 
Yeah. yeah. Or he was confused. So like me. <laughs> so I noticed when they got back, Danny was very, very exact and precise in his story, which made it believable. Same with Xander. And then JD, even <laughs> though he tried, he kept backpedaling. He kept being like, oh, and then there was this thing. He kind of left some stuff out. He didn't approach it in a straightforward enough manner that even though it was like 98% truth, nobody believes him. JD was, yeah, JD was acting like he had just experienced like a Hans Christian Andersen like story or some kind of like that. And he was like telling a fable. It was so, it was so bombastic. It was really weird. He is television gold. He is so, so good for this show. He's good. Because he's like playing hard and also like is such a good verbose and like just, he's a total character. He's He's great. I hope he's around a long time. Yeah, uh, I I do also enjoy him. And I enjoyed that moment where I was like, this is so sad because in his mind, he's convinced them. Yeah. (laughs) From a viewer's standpoint, he's terrible at articulating the thing he wants to get across in this moment because of the pressure and because he wants so hard for everybody to believe him. And then everybody at the camp totally disbelieves every single thing he's said. (laughs) So it's just like a perfect storm. So uh, it, it in that moment, I'm like, uh-oh, rough road for JD. Here we go. And uh, that ended up not fully, uh, I mean, that ended up not being the case at the end. But, uh, yeah, so we, so we, they get that. And then I think we're off to our second challenge. Yeah, seriously. Can I just say one thing about JD? Yes. On his bio on the CBS website, his hobbies, the first one is obviously Survivor. It's like so funny. <laughs> JD says that? Yes, obviously Survivor. His top hobby. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. A hobbyist. He's a hobbyist. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Anyway. How many times do you have to go on Survivor before it does become your hobby? You tell me, man. You've been on four times. I mean, it's kind of still a livelihood, but... uh, Sure, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. I mean, yeah, that's right. I think two. Uh, I think it's two times is when it's become Two and then you're a hobbyist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I always like to joke with people and be like, I had a once in a lifetime experience. Four times. So far. Four times so far. <laughs> That's a good joke. I like it. Yeah, it's it pretty funny. Yeah, it does for some. And then other people are like, why do they keep inviting you back? And I was like, I, you I just have to meet me in person, I guess. <laughs> That's tough, though, because then it's like, oh, so it doesn't translate on screen. Would you rather be better on TV or better in person? Just as like just for your life. Just for my life. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty equal. I don't know if I am. You, you'll have to tell me. But uh, I think like if you had to choose one or the other, I think it would be better in person. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think you get more out of being better on screen professionally, probably. Sure. But you get more satisfaction from being better in person when people are like, oh, actually, you're pretty cool. And you're like, oh, Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to refute better in person, but I don't know. I feel like there's just, there's something about being like, you know, if you want to be a TV star, if you, yes. I guess if you're better on TV, you should be an actor. So there you go. And if you want to be on survivor, then your whole thing is like, I want to make an impact on that show. So it's probably more important for you to be better on TV. Right. 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 And when I set out for token chains, I told myself there's two ways to win this game, win the game, get the money or go so hard that they invite you back. Mm, nice. Well, so I mean, 
doesn't work out for everyone, but yeah, it works out for me. <laughs> uh, we also have not talked about, I guess, when did, so we go to the second challenge. The immunity challenge, yeah. The immunity challenge. And is this when Jeff introduces the shot in the dark die? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. I believe so. I like this. I like this because if you are keen enough to know that your back is all the way against the wall, then why not take the shot? Because in previous moments like that, you just do what you can and then realize you're going home. Mm -hmm. So this gives you a little bit of like some wiggle room when you feel there is no hope whatsoever to have this. My only criticism is that I wish the chances, I wish it was one in four or one in three rather than one in six, which if you are a numbers person, you have to say, okay, what are the chances that they're actually voting for me tonight versus the chances that I can roll the dice the way I need to, to stay in the game for protection. So I think that, uh, I think that if they use this in the future and uh, we'll see how it plays out because we could have moments where there's like four people that all decide to roll their dice at the same time. Right. And then do you get your dice back? I was wondering if you can only use it once. I didn't say, I wonder would they change the rules depending on how it's going. Like they say they don't. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, They say they've already mapped it out. Uh, and then, uh, did you notice then, that JD pretended to grab his? Like, yes. At the tribal. And, yeah. He was like, <laughs> he's like, I made it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so confident. <laughs> and it's like, why though? What's the point of being that confident in that moment? Just put it in your pocket. Yeah. There's uh, no, there's no upside to that. Like literally yes. <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then my other thought was if you have an extra vote, can you roll the dice for protection and use your extra vote in that moment mm-hmm. to also vote? Right. Because that was another thing I was thinking about. Could you use your your dice to throw off the balance, to not vote? Like if everyone assumes a vote's going to go one way, it's not just saving yourself, but throwing off what everyone thinks is going to be the vote tally or whatever. Yeah, but if you're on the bottom of the barrel, then your vote already has been like, nullified by the group. Right, right, right. I guess that's true. Could you just not vote? Could you ever just put in a blank thing? No. You couldn't. I did. My dream on Survivor Winners at War was to win my way back in the second time, win a reward. And then when Jeff's like, select who you want to go on your reward, I was going to be like, nobody. I just need some alone time, the pedicure. (laughs) And I think Jeff, because in those moments, Jeff is the decider. He would either say that's fine or he would be like, no, you have to choose two people. Mm -hmm. And so there was a moment like that on this challenge, which was very physical as a team. And there was a moment where the blue tribe did not get one of their heavy bags on the pallet. And these are the calls that Jeff makes. If he had overlooked it, if he had overlooked it, it would have just gone easily. I've seen it many times in challenges where something small that should disqualify a team has been overlooked. And they just, because you can't like always, yeah. right? Every and sport's so, like that, you know, like no yes. referee gets it right hundred percent of the time. Yes. And so this moment too, it's like, they showed us the bag, they showed us it got missed, and then they let the tribe move on a little bit, which to me, I was like, oh, they're just going to let it slide. It's close enough, which in some instances is fine, is happens. And I don't know if that's a conversation they have where they're like, they actually do have to be on the pallet or they can just be close or whatever. Right. Uh, in pre-challenge, Jeff walks each tribe through and you get to ask as many questions as you want, which is where I generally like try to find as many loopholes as I can and ask about them. And uh, and so 
he, I'm sure he stated they do have to be on the pallet. And part of it was that the pallet was much smaller than the footprint of all the bags combined. Oh, so interesting. Uh, so I'm assuming that's what happened, but I also do know that a lot of moments like that, Jeff would just like, you know, miss it. Sure. I think on winners at war, there was a moment where I was building this bridge that I was walking across and they were like, if your little thing that you build comes loose behind you, you have to go back and fix it. And there was one that was kind of like dangling weird or something. I was like, Oh, he's going to make me fix it, but I'm just going to go. Yeah. And there's, like 16 people there at the play-in challenge. There's no way he's going to catch everybody. And so uh, I got through and it was like a gray area set. So I was grateful that uh, he missed it. Um, I it's, it's interesting. As I was watching this challenge in particular, I was thinking about like, what are the other games and sports or just like activities that I'd like Jeff Probst to do play-by-play for? It is so amazing. And I was like, could we get him to do Monday Night Football? And then I was like, could we just get him to narrate like an episode of Supermarket Sweep? Like, there's just so many possibilities yeah. of like how to apply Jeff's incredible, incredible talent. I, I was just like, it's, it's amazing. It's like one of the most amazing things about the show. I mean, I'm interested to see if they're going to make as many ball jokes being the new era mm. in the challenges. Are they going to be able, is Jeff going to be able to be like, Danny handling his balls well. Oh, look at like because that's really I love it. Quintessential Survivor, where yeah. you're like, is that does the crew get it? We don't know what's going on, and uh, I'll be interested to see. Uh, and I think any sport with balls, uh, Jeff is uh, going to really hit out of the park. Let's get him in the booth. Um, okay. The other thing I noticed was the puzzles were not well put together, and I was I, I remarked to myself like, oh, so it just had a fit, didn't have to look completely perfect i thought that was interesting too yeah i, I saw that too how they were it was kind of ski wampus but you could tell they had it all built mm-hmm. and i also think that that is something that they discussed beforehand probably with the tribe so they either said doesn't matter how perfect it looks it just has to be together properly mm-hmm. or it needs to be flush and look great and uh, i would assume that that was addressed and if it wasn't then it can be the way it is and yeah, and, and each of those are different. Like you, when he walks you through, like you really do have moments to be like, how well does it have to fit together? Does it need to be this? Does it need to do that? You can ask as many questions as you need to, to make sure that you understand the challenge. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I like this challenge. I thought it was like, I like that it had a combination of teamwork and individual people stepping up. I like that it was multifaceted. Yes. I love when it culminates with a puzzle. I, I thought this was a perfect first challenge for this episode, this season of Survivor. I thought so, too. I think uh, the puzzles are the great equalizer. Uh, They bring the challenges at least seemingly close for the audience. And uh, and I did like it, too. You have the teamwork where everybody's got to lift and like those things are brutal heavy. And like until you get there, literally, it's probably hundreds of pounds and they're pushing it. And you find that strength where it's like, my baby's under a car. I just lifted a car over my head. Like that's that same like a type of adrenaline where you're just like, I'm letting everyone down and there's millions of people watching me let everyone down right now. And so everybody like, you know, gets it, but it's, it's shockingly, everything is shockingly heavy and shockingly difficult in those challenges. So, and I could tell the way they were straining to get those things up those ramps that it was incredible. And we had a classic come from behind Yes. Victory. Love right? that. Absolutely love it. That's the point of a puzzle. Get everyone back in the game. 
And it's a lesson to be learned every time on Survivor, never give up in a challenge, ever, ever. Winners at War, we were ahead by half an hour. And Nick and Sarah could not figure out this basic puzzle. But also I wondered why we put Nick and Sarah on a puzzle. <laughs> so it was my fault partly for just going along with that. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to volunteer for a puzzle. I think if I had to go back, though, being the persona that I am, I would have to do what Rob did on Winners at War and just do every puzzle because my I need my fate in my own hands every time. Right, right, right. Interesting. So I would yeah. volunteer for puzzles because I would never want to do the physical stuff. So I would need to have value. And you also, quite frankly, I rule at jigsaw puzzles. Like my my focus on them is like, I'm just going to be honest, it's elite. I can just like sit down and I can do a 1000 piece puzzle in one sitting. Should be like five hours and I can just get it done. I love it. I, Thank you. And I don't disagree. I think you could. Uh, but <laughs> are you good at every single type of puzzle? Hmm. I mean, this one, I was like, oh, jigsaw puzzle? No problem. I got this. Yes. But every kind of puzzle, I'm pretty good at a lot of them. I don't know. I'm As, I, as you said in my Twitter bio, puzzle person. Yeah, I will the say, good news. That's a joke from the challenge, but still, I am puzzle person. The good news is that you get to see the challenge before you decide whether or not right. you do the puzzle. So, right. uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think it's good. I think I personally, I used to always be like, do not nominate yourself for a puzzle because puzzles are always a risk. You never know who's just going to get like the first piece put in the right place. And then it comes together in 10 seconds. And so I've always been like, there's more, uh, it's, it's a higher variance in being able to, you know, win a puzzle thing. So, but now I'm starting to think I would volunteer for more puzzles or all puzzles because uh, even though I don't consider myself a puzzle aficionado, I think I have a puzzle brain that, yeah. uh, I mean, I watch people doing puzzles in Survivor. I'm like, oh, I got that thing together in my head in like 30 seconds. Well, it seems like you play things, you play out the string, it seems like on everything. That seems like how you attack many of these things. So I, that makes sense that you'd be able to like puzzle it together for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, I think. And so, yeah, I... And these people, like, they even knew. They're like, I shouldn't have nominated myself for the puzzle, but I didn't. But also, in that moment, your tribe's also deciding for you. Yeah. They're looking and saying, this thing's really heavy. Can you do the heavy thing? If not, you have to do the puzzle. And so a lot of times, the puzzle isn't even, like, the forethought, which maybe it should be. Right. The puzzle is often the deciding factor. So why not lead with who's going to do the puzzle? Right. I mean, and and that is back to the first, the challenge to get the um, supplies, why I would have been like, let's obviously do the triangles. Like, not only does it make sense for the broader game, but it's just like, that is a, it's a smart way to figure out like who can do what on your tribe. Essentially. It's true. And it's so much easier. (laughs) So much easier. I don't, I don't like being hot. So doing like a physical challenge in the hot sun of Fiji would just be a deal breaker for me. With not ample water and nothing to eat afterwards. Horrible Tyson. Tice. Awful. Yes. Thank you. Wow. We've, uh, so, uh, Jules has called me Tice, (laughs) which has brought us to, uh, the next level in our relationship. And the next part of this podcast episode, what happens next? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, well, Juliet, first of all, I want to thank you for all of your time and input, right? Yeah. Thanks. And, uh, did we finish everything? We didn't Mm -hmm. even get to tribal council. No, we didn't even get to tribal. I'm not done. Why are you trying oh. to get rid of me? I don't know. I thought you were trying to get rid of me after no. I called you uh, your nickname. And then you were like, I'm I- not against it. I just always notice it. That's the point. Okay. It's not, I it's, notice it too. Yeah. It's a and big be, deal. Yeah. So it's that's the same sign with me. that someone feels like they're signaling. They feel comfortable. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad used to yell at people that would call me Ty in Little League. Oh. Yeah. So that's why I don't go by Ty because like my dad was so averse to it. Like people calling me Ty. He's like, we named him Tyson. You can call him Tyson or Tice for short. And I was like, I got to go with it. I don't want to disappoint my dad. Sure. Uh, Okay. So we do the challenge. Uh, They showed us that little puzzle, which is, I believe, for the fans, right? The fans at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to do something here. Riley, did you finish? Did you figure out the puzzle? No, I, I had not looked at it because I was unable like to pause it. And look at Screenshot it. it. But it's also Jeff said it's for like the younger fans. He was like, is, is "Well, how old like, are you, Riley?" Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm older than that. <laughs> I mean, young is a just a number in a frame I'm of mind. You're 28. 28. Yeah, 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 that's the exact demographic they're trying to get into this show, Riley. I'm already. Riley's been in no, for think, a while. I have to say, the show being on Netflix has brought in a whole new crowd. It really like, has. I people, wish I had. Oh my god, people who've been watching during the pandemic, and it's like the next. What they need to do is CBS Viacom slash Paramount Plus needs to pay Netflix to add an end card, being like, you can watch every season on Paramount Plus because people are discovering the show and loving it. Yeah, or they just needed like. For the record, yes, I watched. I watched season one when it aired. I'm at least old enough. I'm not like JD level. Like I watched that as a kid with my family. Wow. I was a big fan of Rudy. Like that is how I started on the show. Okay. So you as an eight-year-old loved the 80-year-old. <laughs> yeah, That's, that sums up Riley. <laughs> <laughs> an old soul. Well, uh, truly <laughs> cool. And have you watched every single season since in as they aired or did you have to like uh revisit the show did your family always stay in love with it i had to revisit like when i went to college i kind of fell out of it for a little bit yeah the cool kids weren't watching survivor back then yeah well i didn't have a tv yeah but to say college kids it's hard to get cable yeah i was trying to block all of that stuff out and just enjoy enjoy college but uh and then there's a lot of seasons that I've just never revisited. Like I've rewatched, I've rewatched season one uh, a couple of years ago and stuff like that. But then there's other seasons where it's like, what happened? And I, I just don't remember because I was like 12. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't remember anything that happened before I was 12 years old. So I. <laughs> Except for not... your dad yelling at Little League. <laughs> yeah. No, that was when I was 14. Oh. Just that's, kidding. That's about to say that's like high school yeah. time. It's a bit. Yeah, if you're playing Little League, league that'd that's be Pony tough. League. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was easy. I won every game when I was the only 14-year-old in the seven and under league. Um, so the challenge, come from behind, classic, the blue. And then this is awesome, is that they're sending two tribes to tribal council instead of one. And it seems like it's going to be the theme is maybe a lot of double tribal councils, uh, definitely accelerated. And uh, I mean... Two thirds of the cast are going to tribal council, hopefully every time, because the best part of the show is probably the tribal council. I would. It's pretty great. Yeah. I I love the tribal council. I would say the the challenges are like my best part of the show. Like after a few weeks, once you understand like what people are good at, I'm just sort of like, okay, I don't actually need to watch challenges. Tribal is awesome. It's so fun. I mean, I also love the pre-tribal, um, machinations and everyone like campaigning and whatnot i also love trying to decipher what the editing was trying to tell you based on you know the different the way they cut it together it's just it's like a a real thrill and that's when people's personalities really come out and you can see who's double crossing whom and i would say in this week's episode it's when (laughs) we really learned how what's his name again when we really learned how weird brad is (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh, dude. So the lead up to tribal council, we got to rewind to the lead up. So generally, and if you're on a returning season, you don't want to name any names. And uh, a lot of people named a lot of names early on in the episode. And that only comes back to bite you. I think you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait until you need to name a name or until it's close to tribal council. And as the games progress throughout the years I've played, there's no group of people that can keep a secret from the person being voted out for longer than like 15 to 20 minutes. And so if you have a plan that's in place before that, there's a good chance it's going to get blown up. Uh, so we go back to the two tribes that are scrambling now to decide what they want to do. And uh, one of them is between Tiffany and Abraham. Tiffany mm. being the weaker link, supposedly, physically. And Abraham uh, just being the boss man who's making the decisions and they're trying to figure it out. And, uh, and so it's pretty much clear cut between those two. Who's going home out of these two? Uh, and then you visit the other tribe and Brad commits the number one cardinal sin in Survivor of naming a name, naming two names. That's unprecedented almost in front of the two people he is targeting at the same time while they're standing right there in his face. He's literally having a conversation with three other people and two of them, he says, should probably be voted out. <laughs> that was Which so is- brazen. I was like, should I be impressed? I'm like, actually, is, is he on to something? Like, I was like, wait, what? It was so confusing. Yeah. Opposite day, maybe. I also was confused. I was like, oh, no. Oh, he, oh, he's doing it. He's doing it. Yes. For TV, it's beautiful. And for me, I was like, okay, Brad's finito. This is it for Brad. Sorry, bud. That was fun. First contestant from Wyoming voted out first. Uh, almost fitting, but also sad. So... I- I wanted Brad to go home. And then when at tribal, when people were saying Brad, I was like, great. But then here we go. Yeah. Didn't happen. Didn't yeah. happen. And I think it went back to the smaller tribes. You do have to stay strong because there's a greater chance. So you need even more uh, oomph to win that challenge when only one of the three tribes wins. So I think that this format at this speed really lends itself to keeping the tribe strong for challenges, whatever it may be. Like if it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a physically strong, but they do have to be good at uh, whatever their strength is in the challenge. And so I think that in my mind is what protected Brad Mm. is that he's probably works hard at camp. (laughs) He maybe provides a little bit and he, uh, and then he's seems muscly you know, works on a ranch. So I, that's, that in my mind is the only thing that really kept him there. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I also thought Sarah seemed grating. I kind of felt like people didn't like Sarah. She, First of all, I feel like you shouldn't cry when you mess up. I feel like you need yeah. to hold it, hold it together. And I don't want to... I feel like that's a, speaking of gender, a very gendered thing to say. But I do feel like if you are responsible for the loss, you need to... Don't like, admit it. Don't, yeah. You just need to hold it together. And she, yeah. did, she couldn't hold it together. And there's just something about her that just doesn't seem very pleasant. And when it's already in a small group, I feel like the people you don't want to spend time with, they can't really hide. Yes, they go first. It's generally the the person who fails the biggest in the challenge or the most annoying person. Those are yeah. the two that tend to go home early on a new player season. And so, yeah, I agree. And I also, I did note that. And it happens all the time. Like even people coming back and be like, I'm sorry, guys, it was my fault. I take full responsibility. If you want to vote me out, I guess just do it already. And you're like, stop. It's kind of like they're trying to win sympathy and they're, but I don't think it's a great gameplay because anytime you can put any idea in anybody's head that you're the one that should be going home, that's already bad. Right, right, right. Yeah. She just, I could tell from the beginning for her talking about her grandma and stuff, it just seemed a little, a little too simple of a story. So I wasn't surprised that she went home, but I was surprised that they were talking so much at tribal. Like I was surprised that there was so much, like whispering and chatter and like people yeah. just like getting up i don't what's like what's that environment like so it's tense at tribal council and as long as everybody's answering the questions from jeff in a way that you expect them personally to answer because of your previous conversations with that person everything's fine the second somebody says something a little out of order or a little suspect people start to like, oh, I need confirmation that this person isn't going rogue. And as soon as two or three people whisper and people notice it, then it's a free-for-all. And then it's a balance between inserting yourself so much in those moments that people are annoyed with you or sitting back and being like, hey, I'm not inserting myself, guys. I'm just chill. And it's really like, it's hard to manage. I do love that they put captions on it this season. Me too. I think that's the first season. And that has always been my gripe with the, this tribal is that so much could change and we don't know. And as an audience, we always kind of knew what everyone was thinking. And now in these moments where things are changing, we don't. So I, I like the captions. I don't love live tribal council, but I think the way the game has evolved, I think that probably most decisions in the future will be made more mm. and more at tribal council as people are too afraid to reveal their plans too early. Interesting. I I don't love live tribal either. It makes me too nervous. Also, I, it's just kind of bad TV, even though like once in a while, it's like kind Ooh, of... Ex- what are they ex- doing? Like yeah. the first time you were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, wow, it's so chaotic. But then ultimately yeah. it's like kind of hard to follow. And it also feels like it negates so much of what you've seen in the episode. And so yes. it's sort of like not... It's just like not good for the show. So I feel like they actually kind of need to find a way to limit that in some ways, but I don't know. Why not go with like a 2020 brand new thing where they put plexiglass between each COVID chair? Days. Yeah, <laughs> at tribal council. 
just thinking here. Yeah, uh, just thinking out loud. Yeah, just thinking out loud. No idea is a bad idea. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I also, I, I think that they, I would prefer they also get rid of live tribal council as a player and also as a viewer, because as a player, you've put in your work, you're expected to put in your work before you get to tribal council. And then your goal at that point is to interact with Jeff in a way that A, is acceptable to Jeff so that he doesn't keep bombarding you to get more and more info. And second is pleasing to the majority of the tribe, or at least the people you're aligned with. Right. And that is your main goal. And then when now you're focusing on all this other stuff, and then everything could be negated. And then you now have to talk to every single person to see where their head's at. It's a lot. And I think, uh, I don't know. I think maybe if there were a way to just be like, hey, guys, just heads up. The tribal's going to be live tonight versus like, okay, guys, you got to stay in your seats tonight. This is, a you know, not live. You've mm-hmm. already done in the work. Do the work now. To, maybe there's a uh, way they can do that. But I, because I think if, life tribals are permitted they're always going to happen yeah 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 it's it, i don't know why it wouldn't especially if some if you like want to answer jeff's questions in like a kind of wacky way or something yeah. like that yeah just distracting which, which he does allow but if you get too wacky and completely do not answer it he will scream at you <laughs> jeff love it let's yeah. do that on tv Tyson, if you skirt this question one more time, I will eviscerate you. I promise you that. <laughs> Has that really happened? Yes. Oh my God. Awesome. He said, he said, eviscerate. Wow. Eviscerate. 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 Yes, yeah. He eviscerate. said eviscerate. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And cool, it cool, did. Cool. I did answer the question exactly straight. The mm. second, cause I was like skirting who my alliance was. And it was like final six. And then he was like, Tyson. Cause I was like, everybody's kind of in it. He's like, that's not working. And I was like, okay, uh, me and Monica and Jervis. <laughs> just gave in. That's yeah. Great. I was just like, ah, just or everybody bad. knows anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that happens on occasion and it does happen a few times a season. And, and so, like he does it when it needs to be done. Like he needs some answers for the program. And if somebody's like not giving any answers, especially somebody who's a repeat offender, who's like been doing it, and finally, he's like, okay, I'm sick of this. Stop doing that. I, we can all see you're doing it. So, yeah, and Abraham did give a veiled answer like that. And Jeff did kind of call him out on it. Yeah. But he else did. And uh, and so, yeah. Have so you ever, we get, have you ever seen the movie The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan and Dennis Quaid? Uh, I've seen the original Parent Trap. I've seen that too. Anyway, there's a character in the second Parent Trap, the remake okay. with Lindsay Lohan and Dennis Quaid, whose name is Chessie. And she's like the housekeeper slash like caretaker of Dennis Quaid's estate in Sonoma or Napa, wherever it is. And okay. Tiffany reminds me so much of that character from from The Parent Trap. So for those of you who've seen that movie, just let that marinate for you. <laughs> I assume a lovable character. Oh, so lovable. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love Tiffany. She's awesome. Yeah, she's great. And she handled herself well at Tribal. Abraham did too. And the votes were going back and forth between them, right? Yeah. Uh, was that the first? That was the second tribal council. That was first. So that was, that first. was first. Yeah. Riley, that one was first. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. First person voted out of Survivor 41. 
Abraham. Abraham. Oh, yeah. no. If he would have just gone second, he would have gotten a little page. Who knows? They might have <laughs> flipped it around, though. Like, maybe they filmed They could. Chronologically, they could, yes. They and they have done the that in the past. To be the second yes, that's true. That's a good point. And I don't and think that, he said second person voted out is whatever, If I, as far as I recall. Yes. And then, uh, so it was between Tiffany and Abraham. I thought they were leaning towards Tiffany because they kept saying they wanted to keep the tribe strong for challenges, etc., and then they sent Abraham packing and he was a great sport. He was just like, yeah, it's awesome to be here. And uh, me, I'd be so fuming mad, dude. Cause you, but you don't like you're shocked. Like you almost are in shock. Cause like the first time I got voted out of token chains, producers were like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to stand up, throw my chair in the fire, uh, blow all the torches out and then kick Jeff's snuffer thing down and then leave <laughs> before he can do anything. And they're like, Oh, we can't wait to see this. And then you're not expecting it. And then when it happens, you're like, everybody's watching me. What do I do? How do I do it in a graceful manner? And so then you like get all robotic and are like, that did not hurt. I am fine. I have a shield up <laughs> over my heart. <laughs> and then you're, uh, did you make it to the merge on Token Chains? I don't remember. I did. Yes, nice. I did. Yeah. So then you go to Ponderosa and just eat. Yeah, just eat and regret like being there completely. And then mm-hmm. you're just like, oh man. And then everybody comes out and they're like, Oh, it sucks. I just got voted out. I was like, yeah. And you just voted me out like six days earlier, dude. I do not feel bad for you. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I hate you. So, tough. And then you have to choose somebody to win the million. And Maya, I've always been like, if it's not me winning the million, I really do not care at all who gets the million. So, uh, it's a lot to to deal with there. So, Abraham goes. He goes very gracefully. And, uh, yeah kind of sad to see him go when he was so uh graceful about it he was like oh good game everybody you got me i didn't see that coming i was just a pleasure to be here good luck everybody i guess because he was voted out so early they didn't really like highlight him so we don't know a ton about him yeah but he didn't seem like he had a a ton to offer at one point i did think that like i was like the people who are getting a lot of are they going out or are they good narrators or are we just you know seeing a lot like nasir i was like his story is so compelling and then he was a troublemaker. So like kind of like my, yeah. my, my antennas went up on him. Trouble. Yeah. Same. But then they won the challenge. So yeah, that's Worked true. Out. But probably, it seems like he might be a uh, wild player. Like he just sort of. Yeah. I think, I think him seeing those peak, those guys looking for the idol. Great gameplay. He saw mm-hmm. it. I think in an old school season of survivor, it's okay to go back and tell the entire tribe. The problem is, is that you have to understand now everybody says everything to everybody and that's just the way it is. And so like you can come back and say it to like one of your closest people and be like, hey, this has just happened. Let's just keep it in our pocket. And if we need to let everybody else know, we can, but we can't say it to everybody because we don't know who's with who right now. And if it gets back to them, now we're all of a sudden targets. So uh, that goes back to just like naming names and putting people on blast. You can't do it too early or you're, it's going to catch up with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then we move into the second tribal council. Tiffany is relieved. Uh, and the second tribal council we think is going to be between JD or Sarah, right? Yes. yes. And we think that's the way it's going. And then it turns live. And you said you dislike live tribals. Mm-hmm. I do. Did you but dislike this live tribal? I know this I liked because it was a little bit docile otherwise. And it was like, also it 
set the tone for the show, but just having it every week, I think is a little bit chaotic, but I did, I did enjoy this one quite a bit. I mean, it also, it just, I think I didn't realize that the bond between Liana and JD was so strong. And so that was cool to see play out. And, um, also, so I keep calling her Liana. Why do I keep calling her that? Because there is a Liana there too. Damn it. I didn't, I didn't realize the bond between Shan and JD was so strong. So that was cool to see play out. And then I also like how JD is like really trying to operate on a lot of levels. Like he like takes in the information and then he gets up and he's like, that's a terrible idea. I don't, yeah. He's just like, he's really playing. Yeah. And he, so he probably kind of protected Brad right there. He did yeah. protect Brad. So uh, does he have something with Brad or is he just of the belief to keep things strong? And then you also go back to Shan and JD and JD did play it perfectly because he wanted to do something. Shan did not want to do that. So then JD said, you tell me what you want to do and I will do it. And those are moments where if you give your ally that decision where they say, okay, he's 100% with me. He's willing to do it blindly based off my information without him having the input. That's somebody I can trust. Yeah. And and it is true. Like in Blood versus Water, there were moments where I was like, Jerv, you tell me what we're doing here because I truly do not know what we should do. And if you have a clear path, then let's do that. And so uh, a lot of times it's give and take with those uh, relationships and it can even lead to some arguing, which then leads to parting ways of the allies. But if you can, in those moments, put some full trust on somebody or at least the illusion of it, it goes a long way. So I honestly thought that JD's move there was uh, incredible for such a small give. Similar to Xander, my opinion of JD really changed over the course of the episode. And I, I think because his, they really highlighted his enthusiasm and like how much he's just like excited to be there. He kind of seemed like a neophyte in some ways, but he actually is like, you know, he's been watching it his whole life and he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. And I was impressed actually by his live tribal behavior. I felt like he sort of really changed the fate of what was happening there. And I was like, Oh, he's a real force. And I feel like he's going to go far. Cause yeah. I, I think people like me will underestimate him. And then, and then it turns out he has a good strategy. Right. And uh, the fact that he protected Brad and Brad probably knows that mm-hmm. now he's got Brad in his pocket to a certain degree. He's got Shan all the way locked in. And uh, as long as he can avoid uh, telling uh, stories about (laughs) things that have happened on the show, he should be fine. On his bio, he also really highlighted um, his track winnings. So I think he's just really proud of it. He is very proud. And it's (laughs) fine to be proud of being a champion. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, maybe on Survivor, don't talk about it so much. Wait till the show's over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surprise, guys. I was a high school track champion the whole time. Nobody even knew. Nobody knew that about yeah. me. Yeah. Crazy stuff. To, yeah. And I went to law school and I am a, a Ivy League grad. <laughs> and I'm an expert in evolution. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited gotcha. about this cast, man. Like just in general, I, I feel like. One of the benefits of the two hours is like really getting to know more people. And so I'm like looking forward to spending more time with this group. Yes, I am too. I thought there was not necessarily a disappointing character. Some have been more quiet, but they seem like they all are understanding the game and want to play hard and are here to play hard. And I don't know if something about not being filmed for a year and a half on top of everybody having to quarantine and be locked in and have a weird year these guys, it's like 
releasing raging bulls like into, you know, like they're just like ready to, to be out there. And so I think that that will hopefully add some energy to all of it. Uh, and then I want to get into the votes here. So we have the Life Tribal. We think now that Brad is possibly going home. You, fingers crossed, you're like, please, Brad, get out of here. I, and I'm like, yeah, weirdo. He, yeah. <laughs> weirdo. I mean, sure. But I said I would have some fun with him. Sure. If we sat down and talked to him. But yeah, definitely, definitely seems like a guy who grew up in Wyoming by himself with only his family ranching on a cattle farm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He's just like from a, from a novel. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, Louis L'Amour novel, would you say? I was thinking Andy Peru, but sure, whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so then we get to the votes and shock. We, our first vote is for Ricard. Ricard, I know. Who do you think voted for Ricard? I think Shan voted for Ricard because she promised Sarah she wouldn't vote for her. That oh. was my thought right then. Oh. Or was it Sarah as a misdirect so that she couldn't split the vote somehow because they were undecided on other lines, so they told her it was Ricard? Or, I'm like, those are my only two thoughts. It was one of those two. It was either Shan because she promised Sarah she wouldn't write her name down, or it was Sarah because they were like, we have to misdirect her because the tribe's too small to let her vote count for anything. I thought it was Sarah who wrote down Ricard. Okay. Riley, did they show us at the end who voted for who? I think that they did for that one. And I'm upset at myself because I didn't catch it. I'm actually loading up the episode right now. And I think it's actually going to go through this time. So I'm going to try and, oh. and see. Because that was bizarre. I don't know why you throw a stray vote on a card. That was yeah. super weird. I think okay. it, uh, it, the, those are the only two reasons that makes sense. It's true. Me. It's and true. So, Otherwise... Like, where did that come from? Although he, you know, I feel like Ricard's going to be a lightning bolt because, you know, we saw that he's willing to stand alone and share his opinion, as we saw when he, you know, corrected Jeff on using the term guys. And he also just, like, seems um, like a really good talker. So I feel like we're going to get a lot of him as, like, a narrator and a character. I hope so. I think he's playing too fast, too early. Okay, I've got the... Right now, he's named... I've got the Ricard vote. It was Jeannie who threw the vote on Ricard. And that's... Really? Jeannie. That's weird because she kind of sat out the live tribal too. And I, I noticed that she, yeah. her and Brad, which was also weird because Brad was, it was his name coming up. They kind of weren't involved in the live tribal. Uh, that's probably not a good sign for Jeannie because she's sort of on the outside. That yeah, is seriously. interesting. That is weird. crazy. Why would they do that? They just, maybe they didn't trust Jeannie because she, was she tight with Sarah? I don't think we saw Jeannie really interacting with anyone very much. Well, you're still with us, Jeannie. So whatever you did worked for yeah. now. But that is bizarre. And that is not a good sign for who, if Jeannie put the wrong name down completely and totally whiffed, unless that was on purpose for some reason. But it wasn't because now they're going to go back to the tribes and they're going to go back to their camp. And Ricard's going to be like, hey, who voted for me? <laughs> and That's it's going to be so a whole weird. conversation. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. You never want to be left out of a vote like that. Maybe she just got confused by the live tribal. That's like what would happen to me, I swear. <laughs> or maybe she's one of those people who's like, don't talk to me about strategy. I'm going to vote the way I want to vote and nobody can dissuade me. But she doesn't seem like that. She seems like she's there to play and she understands. So I think they just, I think she was either tight with Sarah and couldn't, uh, they couldn't afford to tell Jeannie what they were going to do. Or she got confused by live tribal. 
my goodness. Like, well, I guess we'll find out next week. I hope. Hopefully, I hope so. hopefully Ricard confronts her. And so then the votes come out. And uh, in the end, we see Sarah leave, which was totally fine with you. Peace totally. out. Bye, Sarah. Said. I just gave her a peace sign. Yeah. yeah. Nice Fair to know well. you have a nice life. Good luck, Sarah. I hope you had the, the adventure of a lifetime for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Juliet. Well, She's she still fine. gets her sequester trip. Sure. Yeah, and, that sounds uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and, Although, could, could they do that in COVID? Like, where can they go? I don't know. They probably... Just hang out there or something? I guess. Probably still in Fiji, but maybe somewhere away Diff- from... Different yeah, island. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, being part of the Survivor uh, CBS family really does up your chances to meet me in person, which well, is a small victory for everyone. She's so lucky then. She's so, <laughs> yeah, so lucky. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So she's, that hasn't lost everything. And uh, yeah. And I think we were pleased with that outcome. If we had to choose a JT or Sarah, uh, JT or JD was definitely fun. Right. I mean, if yeah, we had to choose absolutely. between, yeah. Should, I read? should, should we I'll get into our that. superlatives from here? We should uh, first. One last thing. Yeah. Next week on Survivor. Yes. We saw that. And I have to say, I didn't learn a lot from it. It just gave me a seizure. Lots of running and scrambling and the cameras bouncing around. And then it was done. It had some like new flair to it where they're like, they're like showing the graphics in kind of a different way. Um, I'm excited. I don't know. Those, those teasers never tell you anything. They don't. It just shows that they're scrambling and I'm excited. Brad's got to scramble a little bit now. Yeah. Brad like runs really fast along the beach. Yes, really fast. Jeannie's got to figure her stuff out. Uh, We've got a lot going on. We sure do. What an episode. uh, Great stuff. Great. Thank you for being with us, Juliet. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. Do you want to stick around for the Survivor Superlatives? I'd love to. Hosted by our man, Riley McAtee. Did I say it right? Yeah, that's perfect. I Uh, knew it. I was going to get it eventually. Glad it was on the first episode. I think you got it on the first (laughs) try, yeah. Um, yeah. You just right. forgot it. You didn't get it wrong. I know. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. As long as you know, you know that I know. Yeah. And now I know that you know that I know. Exactly. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's continue. Uh, I figure we can just run through these kind of quickly, but uh, we can hand out a few sort of awards or sort of just kind of rapid fire notes from the episode. So we'll start with best move. What, were you, what do you think was the best move, like strategically, like trying to win the game on this episode? Should you and I say it at the same time? Just to see if it's the same? Yeah. Uh, okay. One, two, three. David. Dan- I, I, I was going to say Danny. <laughs> okay. uh, I wasn't sure how to say it because I was going to frame phrase mine in a sentence. What about David? Uh, David was, he didn't stick himself too far out there. He understood the, in that moment where you had to carry water or choose puzzle, that even though he was the most adverse to carrying water, the tribe nominated him and he just had to suck it up and do it because it wasn't worth trying to convince everybody to do the triangle puzzle. And he wasn't out there naming names. He wasn't out there. I think in these first initial days as someone who is clearly a help to the tribe, the worst thing you can do is overplay. And I think he definitely did not overplay where we saw a lot of other players definitely overplay. So his best play was not playing. And uh, I liked it. Can I say one thing about David? Uh, yeah, or two, whatever you want. He's going by Voce. His lower third says Voce, his last name. Oh, Always Voce? A, 
Always a good sign. Perhaps. Yeah. That's, that's, right. that's positive. It's like yeah. Penner. I mean, vote Jay. Yeah. I didn't know how to feel about him initially because of his haircut, but. <laughs> and if, cool. honestly, if I were out there and needed neurosurgery, he would be like number one asset for me. I, I thought he might've also hit in his profession, by the way. I don't he think probably he probably did. Yeah. Sure I don't think did. he told them that he was a neurosurgeon. So, I would love to have a neurosurgeon on my, on my tribe, but vote Jay. Yeah. I see you going by your last name. I know it's a good sign. I think he's going far. Yeah. I and for me, we brought up a haircut. It's not probes. <laughs> <laughs> Tyson and probes have both gone the long hair in quarantine. <laughs> I, I mean, I had long hair even before quarantine. Sure. Fine. So, uh, I mean, if probes wants to be like me, then I don't blame him. New era. New era, dude. Long hair for all. Uh, yeah. Jeff's long hair is cute. Uh, why did you choose uh, Danny? Well, I think him coming back and just telling his tribe the truth about the protect the vote and also choosing the protect the vote and the way that he was so convincing. It seemed like everybody bought that story and trusted him on it. It was really important because he'd already removed himself from his tribe twice and mm-hmm. he was kind of unbeknownst to him caught looking for an immunity idol. So he could easily come across as like shifty and untrustworthy. And I think that he was able to really quickly write the ship there. So I was impressed by that. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. So, uh, yeah, that was good. He did make some mistakes, but then he corrected his mistakes. And he, I mean, I was impressed with his articulation of what happened because that was paramount in getting people to believe that that was the truth. And that was something we saw JD fail at completely. Yeah. JD told the exact same story and nobody believed him. because <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, good. Uh, Let's, uh, what's the, what's the second category? All right, let's do the worst move. This one, we might have the same one. Oh man, I had a worst move chosen out. And then I, uh, I, I think it. I would have to say JD. Okay. Wait, no, Brad. Brad. It's Brad. It's Brad. There That's the one I chose out. <laughs> it's Brad. I thought we would have the yeah. same one. You can, you never tell the people you're targeting that you're targeting them. Never, ever, no, ever. He's he's like I'm confident. I think no chance to win the game now. Yes, <laughs> you can't. Win. Good chance to get taken along for a long way because it's an open book. Yeah, but no chance. To actually that was win. really crazy. Who do you think? Instead of making up a lie or being like what you guys think, that's fine. It's like uh, you two, and they're like even just throw out one name. Don't even throw yeah, out two. Yeah, like you're guaranteeing yes. that someone will still be left around. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All of it was just mind blowing and. But at the same time, as a viewer, I'm like, yes, I'm so happy this is happening. But as a game player, I'm like, poor, one of the worst strategies ever. Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. Let's do favorite moment of the episode. Favorite moment of the episode? For me, honestly, I would have to say probably Brad also saying that Sarah and Shan were on the chopping block. I mean, he's a twofer right there. That was incredible. Okay, I, I love those moments that are uncomfortable and everybody's like, uh, and he's like, oh, I stuck my foot in my mouth, I guess. I wrote down Blue coming back to win the immunity challenge because that's almost the only way that I ever get engaged in one of the challenges is if there's a big comeback. But okay. I think I didn't adequately consider the comedic value and probably would be <laughs> Yes, uh, Juliet. Mine's JD telling the story about the summit. Also I, good. That was the number two for me. It was like just so funny and high energy. Yeah. I like, I just love JD. Like I, 
I'm not sure I think he's going to win and I'm not sure I want to hang out with him, but like, he's exactly what I want on my television right now. So I just, I'm all in. <laughs> yes. I love it. I, uh, I, uh, that was my <laughs> second, but it was between the Brad moment and the JD moment and they were both beautiful. So, uh, okay. What's our, we have one final category, Riley. Is that right? Yeah. Let's all pick who our front runner is to win the game. This is always oh, I think, my goodness. I think this is the best question early, early in the game because who the hell knows who's gonna win at this point. Right. It's uh like let's, oh. let's all say this one on three. Okay. Riley counts in. Oh. Tyson counts. Okay. So we're gonna do one, two, three, and then don't say it yet. And then the same pause between three and the name that we have between okay. two and three. Okay. 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 Ready? One, two, three, Xander. Boche. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, you guys both pick Voce. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Riley? I couldn't even hear you. I yeah. yelled mine I said so Xander. loudly. I said Xander. Oh. I think he's got uh, a good... He he comes across like he's an airhead, but he's not. He's actually thinking about the game, and I think that's a yeah. so he's, an app, Fabio? he's an app developer, after all. Yeah. Yes. You think like Has a he Fabio lied about style? that, or did he tell people he develops apps? He hasn't he hasn't said it, but like if I looked at him, I as I already said, I've already typecast him as like an idiot on Outer Banks. He he's should, a pogue, yeah. not an app developer. He should yes. be telling his tribe mates that he's a surfing instructor. Yeah. They'll underestimate yeah. him for the whole time. He should. Or that he was an Abercrombie model, but not anymore. Perfect. Voce Voce, I'm going with because I think he seems like like a contributor around camp without being dominant, really mm-hmm. smart and like kind of affable. So I just feel like he he seems to get all of it yeah. too. Like yeah. I thought his breakdown for me, the standout moment for him was the breakdown of the, doing the puzzle versus doing the water challenge, but then going along with the water challenge when he got nominated, knowing that everybody and it wasn't worth the fight in that moment. So I think he's willing to give and take and to adapt and to bend. And, uh, and he's laying low, not naming names that we can see. So that's why I came up with him. Me too. I, and like I said, last name, such a tell. Yeah, even with his haircut, I still chose him as front runner for after episode one. Also, I just want to make it about myself for a second. Tyson, you don't know this about me, but Grey's Anatomy is one of my favorite shows. And I like love all the surgeons on Grey's Anatomy. So I just gravitate towards surgeons. So, Bojay, oh, okay. Looking well, at you. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you heard it here first. Bojay. Bojay. See you with million dollars. You two are right. It'll be he impressive. lives in Illinois, so I think he should move um, just to declare taxes elsewhere. Get that 5% in Utah. Uh, no. Why not go to Las Vegas where it's 0%? Sure. Or uh, Memphis or t- Tennessee, yeah. Florida, and yeah, the state of, of Washington. Yeah. Lots of, lots of opportunities to t- a lot of dodge places, taxes. Yeah. A lot of places you have to be a resident uh, before the beginning of the year. I guess depending on your percentage. of. <laughs> Let's get him an accountant. Yeah. We, we'll figure it out. He's a neurosurgeon. He probably does his own taxes. Good point. Good point. So, well, I had a lovely time. I hope you guys did too. Juliet, again, thank you so much for being here. Riley, uh, a smaller thank you because you're going to be with us every week. Uh, and uh, I'd like to give our guests a bigger thank you. But I want to thank you for backing me up. And uh, if we didn't miss anything, I think we can call that a podcast. We can call that a podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. And I look forward to listening to you all season long, Tyson. I look forward to listening to myself. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again. We did it.